Full disclosure here, the recording did not work properly this week. Therefore, this is just you and me sitting at my kitchen table and I'm hoping the phone doesn't ring in the next 30 minutes. I'm also hoping you have a handout. If you do not have a handout for this lecture, you may email me at O'Brien, that's O-B-R-I-E-N 1211 at sbcglobal.net and I'll be happy to email you the handout for this lecture. Again, I'm sorry this is not the recording with the wonderful ladies and all of their responses, but I'm so thankful you are taking the time to listen to this overview and introduction of our study of the book of Psalms. Lord, I thank you for this dear woman listening today. Open her ears, her mind, and her heart to the truth about you. Please speak to her today. Amen. All right, let's do this, you and me. Our youngest was studying abroad in Spain this last semester, and she was in a theology class entitled Israel and the Middle East in Biblical Times. Yes, I was jealous. Her neighbor across the aisle was trying to take notes one day while frantically searching in the Bible as the professor lectured on Psalms. Catherine leaned over and said, It starts with a P. The girl looked at her, completely baffled. It's P-S-A-L-M-S, the girl said. Oh, thanks. How do you know these things? I'm so lost. Well, whether this is your first time to study PSALMS or the 10th, thank you for letting me study them with you. When our oldest was two, almost three, I was teaching at TCU and he and I flew during the university spring, down, spring break down to see dad and mom. All different kinds of people boarded the plane. Grouchy people, preoccupied people, sleepy people, talkative people, exuberant people. As we entered the plane, you know, there's usually that back up there at first class. So we were waiting to go on back and the cockpit door was open. So I bent down and I whispered to Taylor, that's the pilot and the co-pilot and all the controls for the airplane. Oh my goodness, he looked with quiet awe until the congestion cleared and we moved on to our seats. Well, after a while, a stewardess came to our seats and asked, Would you like to meet the pilot? Oh, my. Taylor was so excited. He looked at me. I nodded. Off he went with her to the front of the plane. He comes back a little while later. His face was just beaming. He told me all about it and showed me the wings he was now wearing on his little t-shirt. What a day. Well, the plane landed and we all disembarked. All of us having been on the same plane together. Some working, some sleeping, some talking, some hiding behind books. All of us left the plane. Well, Mom and Dad were waiting for us as we came off the plane. You know, this was before 9-11, remember, when you could go right to the door. So that's where they were. We hugged and kissed, and Mom asked the inevitable flight question. How was your flight? While I was answering her, which we all could answer the question, right? Everybody that was on the plane, the typical answer is fine which means there was no turbulence or nothing unexpected. Perhaps some might comment about the food or the service or the timing, late versus on time, etc. I gave the typical answer, fine, while at the very same moment, Taylor was up in my dad's arms and he said, I met the pilot and I got these wings. Most of us had a nice flight. Taylor met the pilot, totally off-field, could hardly wait to tell granddaddy and grandmother everything. His face couldn't hide it. He met the pilot. Why are we studying Psalms? Back up, why are we studying God's Word? Ever. Every time I open God's Word. Why? Now, I don't mean for this to be a trick question. 
Stay with me here. Let's start with the knots. Why do we study God's word? We don't study God's word to learn more about the Bible as if there were to be a heavenly trivia game. There will be one question. The answer is Jesus, right? But that's not why we study God's word to just amass more Bible knowledge. We also do not study God's word to obey it. Now be careful here. Follow me. If I am opening God's word every day in order to obey, there is a huge caution because that so easily and quickly can turn to legalism. And it, it breeds religion or rules over a relationship. Why do we study God's word? We study God's word to know the author. To know the author. To meet the pilot. To know the author. Why? Because to know him is to love him. To love him is to obey him. And to obey him is to live as Jesus did. Now, I didn't make this up. I get this from 1 John 2, 3 through 6. Listen. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And then in John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Now, see, this is not always true of me. This progression of to know him is to love him. Because the more you know me, actually, the more you might not love me. But this is absolutely true of our God. The more I know him, the more I will love him. And the more I will obey him, and the more I will live as Jesus did. Bible study is not meant to be a checkoff. It's an opportunity, a privilege to meet God, to hear him speak, to know him more. Constantly, every day as I study God's word, I ask, what do I learn about God? Who he is, what he's like, what he likes, what he doesn't like, to meet God to know God through his word. So God in the Psalms, how do we get to know God in the Psalms? What do we learn about him? Now this, the following list is not at all complete. The source is the Essential Bible Companion. And in this book, the Essential Bible Companion, it says the key teachings about God in the Psalms are Yahweh reigns. God wants us to express trust in times of crisis. God is praiseworthy. God's law is a delight. God supports his king. God watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Do you have a life application Bible? If so, there are a lot of charts right there in your Bible. One of which is entitled, How God is Described in the Psalms. This is how the, the life application Bible chart reads. God is described as all-knowing and ever-present, beautiful and desirable, creator, good and generous, great and sovereign, holy, loving and faithful, merciful and forgiving, powerful, willing to reveal his will, law, and direction, righteous and just, and as a spirit. So we clearly see to know him is to love him, right? That was beautiful, God's description of himself in the Psalms. We also, we do see him as spirit. We also see Jesus in the Psalms. There's another chart, helpful chart in the Life Application Bible called 
Christ in the Psalms. There are other charts all throughout the Psalms, and I encourage you to take advantage of these learning tools right at your fingertips. Speaking of learning, let's take a little test, shall we? We shall. So if you don't have the handout, just on your sheet of paper, number one through four, you can score your own paper there at home or the office or wherever you're listening. No partial credit. It's right or wrong. Okay, ready? Pressure and stress right off the bat. Question number one. What is the second most quoted book in the New Testament? I'll give you three seconds each time to answer. And the answer is Psalms. The first most quoted book, by the way, for absolutely no extra credit points, is Isaiah. But the Psalms are quoted over 400 times or alluded to over 400 times in the New Testament. Question two, what book of the Bible has the longest chapter? The answer, the Psalms. The longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. The book in God's word about God's word. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Question three, what book of the Bible has the shortest chapter? The answer, Psalms. The shortest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 117. You could... You could actually memorize this a whole chapter of the Bible before you go to bed tonight. And then you could like tell your husband or whomever. And by the way, I memorized a whole book of the Bible today. Of course, that's not why you would do it. But how fun is that? So here is Psalm 117. Listen to this beautiful psalm. Just two verses. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth. For his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. Wow, packed with truth. Did you hear it? God loves you powerfully and faithfully. Question four, last question. Come on now. What book of the Bible has the middle verse of the Bible? Your answer, the Psalms. The middle verse of the Bible is Psalm 118.8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Wow, again, truth to live in and by and under and with. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Why? Because of who God is. We're going to come across this theme actually throughout the Psalms. God is our refuge. For example, in Psalm 46, 1, it says, God's our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Psalm 62, 8, oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Let's move on to the title of this book spelled with a silent P. Before the overview in our study guide, our author tells us that the Hebrew meaning is praise songs and the Greek meaning is songs to the arrangement of stringed instruments. I just want to fill in the gap behind the title. So the Hebrew title is the book of praises to Helam. The Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, used psalmos for tell Helam. And the word means a song sung to the accompaniment of a stringed instrument. The Vulgate followed the Septuagint and used psalmorum from the Latin psalterium, a stringed instrument. And so the King James adopts the word, and thus we have the book of Psalms. That most of them were originally sung. So what sung, songs might come to your mind today that come from the Psalms? I have ten here. I'll just tell you five. Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 46, a mighty fortress is our God. Psalm 90, O God, our help in ages past. Psalm 103, praise to the Lord, the Almighty. And Psalm 104, one of my favorites, O worship the King, all glorious above. 
in countless praise courses, right? As the deer, in thy word, I'm sure you could name more. The Psalms were written over about a 500-year span from the time of Moses to the Babylonian captivity. Sometimes the Psalms are called the Psalms of David, but only half were written by David. David is given credit for 73 in the book of Psalms themselves. And then in the New Testament, we're told he wrote two additional Psalms. So David wrote 75. Asaph wrote 12. He was a priest who was, in modern day term, he would be like the temple music minister. Then there was this group called the Sons of Korah. Who were they? The Beatles or something? They actually were a group of singers and composers. They were temple assistants. They wrote 11 psalms. Then Solomon wrote two. Moses wrote one. And then two guys that maybe you've never heard of, Heman and Ethan, each wrote one. And they were actually two disciples of Ezra. These writers gave us this collection of poems in the Psalms. So the Psalms are poetry. Do you like poetry? You really enjoy trying to figure out what someone is trying to say? I am going to confess, honestly, poetry has never been my favorite, as I'm kind of a say-what-you-mean-and-mean-what-you-say kind of gal. In our introduction in our workbook, our author gives us some suggestions for reading the Psalms, and she explains that the Psalms are not classified as such because of the rhyme or meter. There's no rhyming in the Hebrew and obviously not in English. The Psalms are classified as poetry partly because of the parallelism. There are so many types of parallelism. Our author gives us three of them. There are more, climactic parallelism, iterative parallelism, alternate parallelism. Don't worry about trying to figure out which kind of parallelism it is. It's just helpful to realize the overall principle that it may take the psalmist two or more lines to say the same thought. There is another poetry feature, if you will, of the psalms, and that's called anthropomorphisms. An anthropomorphism is a description of God in human terms. So as we read, we're going to see... God has hands, or the fingers of God, or God sees, or God hears. There are also different genres or classifications of poems within the Psalms. Our author uses a common classification system of wisdom, praise and thanksgiving, lament, trust, and then she breaks down a category that she just calls other, which has history, messianic, royal, psalms of ascent, and imprecatory psalms. We have stayed with our author's classification in laying out our lessons and our lectures. Because there were more lessons than we could ever cover, what we did was we chose two lessons from each of the main categories and then moved the rest in that category to the end of our study. So that's why as you're looking at your book, there is a, a back category called personal study. We will also have one lesson from that other category. Some lectures will not be over the specific Psalms you study for the week, but they will always be in the same category so as to allow us to cover more Psalms together. Some lectures will actually, in fact, cover the exact Psalms you studied. I just wanted to give you a heads up there. Although we're sticking with this classification system, there are other ways to classify the Psalms. In the Message of the Psalms, a book by Walter Brueggemann, 
He classifies every psalm into one of three categories, orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. This shouts the gospel message to me and was a very interesting new approach for me to look at the psalm. So if you are interested in further study, again, the book is called The Message of the Psalms, and it's by Walter Brueggemann, B-R-U-E-G-G-E-M-A-N-N. I just want to give you a note here. When our study guide author asks us to look at different translations, here are some suggestions for you. You can use BibleGateway.com. It's all one word, BibleGateway.com. It's free. It's not an app. You can look for it on your computer or on your iPhone. It's absolutely free. I like to use the NLT, the NIV, the ESV, the NASB, and the NKJV. All of these five are translations, not paraphrases or amplifications. Again, that's the New Living Testament, New Living Translation, excuse me. The NIV is the New International Version, the ESV, the English Standard Version, the NASB, New American Standard Bible, and the NKJV, the New King James Version. Let's move on to the organization of these 150 poems. They are each individually written. In other words, not one after the other. Each stands alone. The superscription. At the beginning of most of the Psalms is a superscription. That literally means what is written ab above. It's a brief explanation, sometimes of the author, sometimes of the author and the circumstances that prompted the writing of a psalm. Pay attention to these. You know, Psalm 50, for example, the superscription gives us the author's name. Psalm 51 tells us much more. It says, For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Then we read Psalm 51, and it means even more, takes on deeper meaning of this cry of confession before God. The 150 Psalms were collected in five stages during Israel's history, so we have five divisions or volumes in this one long biblical book. The theme of the book, which we'll come back to in a moment, is introduced in the first two chapters, Psalms 1 and 2, and is carried forward step by step in Psalms, joining the books together. The climax is a praise conclusion in Psalms 146 through 150. If you have your Bible there in front of you, you can follow along. Look at these five books in the 150 chapters of Psalms. And as we move through these books, I want us to just look at the end of each book. So the last verse. All right. The first book, book one, includes the introduction to all of the 150 Psalms in Psalms 1 and 2. And book one includes Psalms 1 through 41. So the last verse of 41 is verse 13. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Book two is Psalms 42 to 72. So looking at the end of Psalm 72, verses 18 and 19, praise the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does such wonderful things. Praise his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. 
Book 3, Psalm 73 to 89. The last verse is verse 52. Praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Book 4, Psalms 90 to 106. The last verse is verse 48. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. Book 5 is Psalms 107 to 150. Again, the conclusion is the last five Psalms. And they all begin and end with what? Looking there in your Bible, you see the phrase, praise the Lord. And then the final Psalm, just in case we didn't get it. Praise the Lord, Psalm 150. Listen and I'll read it to you or read along in your Bible with me. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look at the conclusion of each of the five books and the conclusion of the last five chapters of the last book of Psalms. What would you say is one of the major themes of Psalms? Praise the Lord. What do we learn of God? God is worthy to be praised. For an excellent visual and auditory overview of the book of Psalms, check out the Bible Project on Psalms. It's 8 minutes and 58 seconds. You literally just need to type in, in whatever search engine you use, you can type in Bible Project Psalms. Then push play. It's less than 9 minutes. And when you watch it, and I hope you do, you will see that the book of Psalms is the, quote, prayer book of God's people who are striving to be faithful to the Torah and waiting on the Messianic Kingdom. So we see these two major themes all throughout the book of Psalms, Torah and Messiah. Within this theme of Torah and Messiah are two other themes, lament and praise, which we clearly just saw praise. Although you'll find lament psalms and praise psalms throughout the five books, there is a definite movement. If we were reading from Psalms 1 all the way to the end of Psalms 150, you would notice that there is a, a, a shift from a majority of lament in the first of the five books to majority of praise psalms in the latter of the five books. And then the third and final theme is faith and hope. Specifically for this week's homework, you looked at Psalms 1. I want to talk about Psalms 1 and 2 because you, both are introductory psalms. We can't just look at Psalms 1. Psalm 1 begins with, blessed is, or perhaps your version says, oh, the joys, and proceeds to list three do nots and one do. Verse 3 says, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. The Torah, there it is, the first thing. You looked at Psalm 1 this last week, and hopefully were was able to discuss that in your group. So let's move on to Psalm 2. Listen for the theme of Messianic King. 
Psalm 2, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God, royal son, or he will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities, for his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. And so we are introduced in this Psalms 2 to the theme of Messianic King, the Messiah. In these first two Psalms, what do we learn about God? Here's one thing I saw that I had never seen before until I read these two psalms together as one part, as one introduction. Look at the first verse of Psalm 1 and the last verse of Psalm 2. What do you notice? Blessed, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The, then the end of Psalm 2, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Right here in the first two Psalms, we see a characteristic of our God, his desire to bless. Psalm 1 starts with blessed and Psalm 2 ends with blessed. Or again, your version might say, oh, the joy, oh, the joy. For those who obey him and put their hope in King Jesus, our Messiah. God blesses them. God blesses you. It reminds me of John 1.16. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. I encourage you to continue to look for what God is revealing of himself as you read through the Psalms in our study together. Going back to our original question, why are we studying the Bible? For the next few weeks and perhaps maybe into the summer for us, um, if we're going to continue with the personal study, why are we studying the Psalms? To know God, because to know God is to love God. To love God is to obey God. To obey God is to live as Jesus did. So what now what? We're studying Psalms to know God. What do the Psalms teach me about God? On the handout are two quotes for you to think about our great God as you read his word in the Psalms. One is from Warren Wearsby and Be Worshipful, and the other is The Essential Bible Companion by Walton Strauss and Cooper Jr. I'll just read the last line. The Psalms portray God accurately and give voice to this picture of God. In Be Worshipful, Warren Wearsby says, in the book of Psalms, you meet the God of creation and learn spiritual truths from birds and beasts, mountains and deserts, sunshine and storms, wheat and chaff, trees and flowers. You learn from creatures of all sorts, horses, mules, dogs, snails, locusts, bees, lions, snakes, sheep, and even worms. The Psalms teach us to seek God with a whole heart, to tell him the truth and tell him everything, and to worship him because of who he is, not just because of what he gives. 
They show us how to accept trials and turn them into triumphs. And when we fail, they show us how to repent and receive God's gracious forgiveness. As I read that in Be Worshipful, I was convicted and I saw questions I had to ask myself. So if I ask the question to me, I will also ask it to you. So this is the source of my so what, now what questions that are on your handout. And again, if you don't have that handout, email me and I will send it to you. These are the questions. Am I seeking God with my whole heart? You know, the harder, more practical question is how does that actually look? Am I being honest with God about everything in my life right now? Do I worship God for who he is and not just what he does or gives? And just in case... I answer yes too quickly because I know yes is the right answer. I had to stop and ask myself, when was the last time I worshipped God for who he is? Period. What trials and difficulties are in my life right now? That probably didn't take you long to answer. But how am I responding? Are there any sins that I have not repented of in my life right now? Are there any sins for which I have not received God's forgiveness? A hint here. Sins which I've already asked for forgiveness and repented of yet keep coming back to my mind, causing guilt and shame. These are red flags that I have not received God's forgiveness, which he offers to me. Why am I studying Psalms? Do I want to know God more? Dear woman listening, may I pray for you and for me right now that we might meet the pilot that we don't just fly through these next couple of months of Bible study, but that we meet God, we see him for who he is. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to know you more, to love you, to obey you, and to live like Jesus. Open our eyes that we might see the wonderful truth about you in your word. Amen. Thank you for hanging in there and listening. I hope to see you at Bible study next week.